0: I just got home from a five-night vacation in Marco Island, Florida, and a group of friends of mine and I rented an Airbnb, and it was supposed to have a lot of things, but it was supposed to have a heated pool and a hot tub. So this time of year in Marco Island, it's beautiful. It's while we were there, I think the lows were like in the low to mid-60s Fahrenheit, which if you're from Iowa, that's not terribly cold. If you're from Miami, I'm sure that's freezing but it's pretty mild. And during the day, it would get up to maybe the high 70s. Perhaps it got up to 82 on the warmest day that we were there. And that's beautiful weather, but it's not really warm enough to hang out in the pool all day. And the pool water is also not super inviting. It's more like cryotherapy. That's exaggerating. It's probably not like cryotherapy, but it is definitely a cool shock to your system. But our Airbnb experience was not good. And I'm going to share that with you. But the reason for my sharing it, which I'll get to, is because I wonder what kind of client experience do these Airbnb owners think that they're delivering versus what we're actually experiencing? And so relating that back to your real estate business, what kind of client experience are you actually delivering? And then I'll have some tips on how I think that this Airbnb owner, host, whatever they're called, could have improved the situation for themselves and for us, and how we can relate that back to our real estate businesses. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Savvy Agent podcast, where we help real estate agents build a thriving business so they have financial freedom in their life without having to work 24 7. I'm your host, Heather Wright. Now let's get to it. Okay. So this Airbnb was advertised as a luxury island retreat. And some friends of mine were the ones that booked it. And it's fine. It was great. In my opinion, it was kind of expensive, but. Looking at the other properties that were for rent on Airbnb that had similar amenities, it was not the most expensive. It was actually probably on the lower pricing scale. And, you know, in comparison to the competition, that's probably a good thing, considering of all the things that went wrong. So they're saying, luxury, island retreat, and our stay was anything but luxe. So first impressions, my husband and I were the first to arrive out of our party. There were seven of us staying at this house and I'm a realtor and I have realtor eyes. You cannot trick a realtor, right? So first impressions, when we got there, I thought, uh, we may have been sold. False advertising a little bit. So the property was not clean. And we found out while we were there that the house was actually for sale. So What are you doing with a house that is not clean, that is listed for sale, active on the market, and then renting it out to yahoos from Iowa (laughs) on crazy vacation? So just the whole thing was bizarre. And for these owners of this particular property, I think that they are completely unprepared to be Airbnb hosts, as well as have their house sell for the grossly inflated price that they have it on the market for. The things that I thought were not clean about it was, first of all, I was wearing sandals. And when you wear sandals, you don't have socks on. And they had a note immediately when you walk in the door that says, please don't wear shoes in the home. Fine. And so I kicked my sandals off. And wouldn't you know it? My feet got immediately dirty. I hate that. I hate when your house makes my feet dirty because you've demanded that I take my shoes off. And yes, I know taking your shoes off is a matter of good manners. But so is inviting your guests to not get dirty when they come into your house. And dirty feet is not a luxury experience. The rest of the house was not very well cleaned. Like it looked like somebody had used a dirty rag and smeared it over all of the surfaces. Everything was just smeary. And so, you know, the black granite, it shows a lot of smears. The stainless steel dishwasher was very smeared up even the sliding glass door looked like a tall dog had just licked the windows. It was gross. So definitely not luxury in the cleanliness department. And then it was also kind of cheaply furnished. And that's probably not a very fair criticism because I'm not an Airbnb owner. This is the second time I've stayed in a VRBO or an Airbnb. So like this might just be the thing that they do, which makes sense because If you're renting your house out to a lot of different people, they're probably going to be pretty rough on your furniture. So it makes sense to not invest a whole lot into it. But the luxury experience diminishes when I have to sleep on a super cheap paper thin bed that's not really very luxe. And then they had like these these super flat pillows. And there was my husband and I, we slept in a king-size bed, and there were two pillows for the whole king-size bed, which is not enough. Anybody who has a bed knows that two pillows, regular size pillows on a king size bed is just not enough. So we were all laughing the next day, like, oh, if those pillows could be flatter, (laughs) my life would have been made. So yeah, super cheap bedding, definitely not luxury. So I kind of felt like, you know, like they lost marks on the Lux Island retreat for that. And then of course the pool wasn't actually ready for people to swim in it. It needed to be cleaned. It had a layer of kind of scum on it, you know, just, it hadn't been swam in for a while and they had the breaker off. So the water wasn't like even flowing within the pool to kind of keep that scumminess down. And that's just a normal thing that happens with swimming pools. I used to live in Florida. I used to have a pool and you know, it's out there in the outdoors, in the elements, and it's going to get dirty. And so there's actions that you have to take to keep it clean. And circulating the water certainly helps keep it clean, but that wasn't happening here. And so it also had a lot of leaves in it, more than you would get just from yesterday when it was cleaned. So it had been several days since this pool had had any attention, which for a luxury island retreat, I felt like that was kind of the owners not being prepared for it at all they were also lacking household supplies there was one roll of paper towels for seven people to use all week long that's not many paper towels and then there weren't any hand towels so Scott and I were staying in the lower level it was a it's a split foyer so like in Florida they don't have basements but it was it was kind of a, like we would call it a walkout i guess because you have to go upstairs to go into the front door But then you can go upstairs or downstairs since it's a split foyer. And then the downstairs is actually at ground level and uh, therefore a walkout in my market anyway. I don't know what they call it in Florida. But in my bathroom that was in the lower level, there was a pedestal sink with, I guess it did have, it wasn't really just a pedestal sink. It did have a cabinet underneath it, but it was really small. It was really just the sink. There was no countertop. It was just the sink with a small cabinet underneath it that had nothing in it. And then they had built, like it must not have originally had a shower or a toilet in this particular room before, because you could tell that they had built the step up to make room for the plumbing. And so the toilet was sort of on a throne. And then there was this teeny tiny little like phone booth shower that, you know, I'm a big person. So I'm like, yeah, well, that's not happening. I'm going to have to use somebody else's shower. So there were not any hand towels in the bathroom. There wasn't even a, like a holder for a hand towel so that it could properly dry. So then there, in like the air conditioning closet or utility closet, I don't know, it was like, it had ductwork in it. So I don't know what kind of closet you call it. But we found like four gnarly towels, <laughs> like the old towels that your mom has in case you're gonna make a mess or wash the dog with, right? So had these old towels in this random closet outside the bathroom. So we had to use like a full size towel as the hand towel and like scrunch it up between the wall and the sink so that it didn't fall into the sink and get wet. So that's not very luxe. Why isn't anybody thinking about how I'm going to dry my hands in this bathroom? Now the upstairs bathrooms, they did ultimately find hand towels. I think they were in the closets in their linen closets. I'm sure that we could have taken an extra one from upstairs and brought it downstairs. And, And we did do that after the big towel that we used was ready to be washed. But if the house sleeps 15 people, there were not 15 towels to have everybody take a shower on one day. It was just like a hodgepodge of garage sale leftover stuff. Not very luxury, but maybe that's a normal thing for Airbnbs because I bet people steal. You know, people steal towels from hotels. Why wouldn't they steal towels from Airbnbs? So I could be being unnecessarily critical here. But for the price that we paid, you know what I do expect? I expect toilet paper to last throughout the week. And instead we ran out of toilet paper fairly early. And I knew that was a possibility because I had seen someone else comment about that in the review. So they had received a negative review about the toilet paper and they didn't correct it. And this place is like, what do they charge? I think it's $675 a night, but don't poop too much because you'll run out of toilet paper. (laughs) So then the house was in need of maintenance which is also probably something that is very common with a rental property because you've got a lot of people going in and out and you know it's just treated a different way because it's not owner occupied. So they have this lock on the door. I don't know what kind of brand it is. It's not like it's some kind of brand. Honestly, it looks kind of cheap, but it's like some sort of little lock that they can program the code from where they're at so that new renters can get into the house. So they say, I'll give you the code. It'll be ready at this time. You can enter the house at this time. Well, that's fine. That worked. And we got in the house, but then when we all went out to dinner, we couldn't figure out how to lock the door. So you can't go outside and click on the lock button to lock the door. So that didn't work at all. So we had to lock it from the inside and then we had to go downstairs go out through the garage doors and those didn't work at first either. So my husband had to play around with them to get the garage doors to work. And so they finally did work and it wasn't really that big of an issue, but not terribly luxury. Like it's not a very luxurious experience to have to exit through the garage because you had to stay inside to lock the door. Like it's just, it's janky. There were about, I don't know, anywhere between a third and a half of the light bulbs throughout the house were burnout. The uh, ceiling fan that was in the, the first bedroom that we stayed in didn't work. And I think it had, well, my husband says that the reason it didn't work is because it was powered by a remote control and he could not find the remote anywhere in the house. So somebody had walked off with a remote, which I'm sure those are tiny little things. Maybe it got lost or thrown away or the cleaners tossed it or, you know, it landed in somebody's suitcase on their way home. Whatever the case, the remote was missing and now the ceiling fan doesn't work. And you know, that's not something that just happened the first day we were there. That's probably something that has been an issue for a long time. There was laundry on site, but the washing machine, they're like front load stackables. And, you know, realtors notice, well, not just realtors, people notice the dumbest things. And this was dumb where it was like wedged into a corner. So then you had to get in front of it. There wasn't a whole lot of room, but then the washers on the bottom, of course, and the door opened to the left but you couldn't get on the other side of it to actually then throw the towels in so you had to like lean over the door to throw the towels in which is fine to throw the towels in but then to pull the towels out like that actually uh you kind of had to like bend over and stick your head in to see what was going on and then you got to see the really amazing mold in the uh you know in the basin of the door on that front loading washing machine so gross but The worst part, the absolute hands down worst part about this Airbnb experience not being luxury like it was advertised was the pool heater didn't work. And we had specifically said, Hey, does your pool heat? Is it actually heated? Because we need a heated pool for this vacation. And, you know, through the communication that we had with the seller and the experience of reporting this was also not good. So, I know a little bit about pools, but not much. Like, you know, I can muddle through, but I knew that it wasn't heated when we got here because it was cold. But I thought, well, maybe you have to turn it on at the heater or flip a switch or something. That's somebody else can do that. I'm not going to do it. So it wasn't communicated to us what to expect, whether how it would be working or, hey, it's not working. Nobody communicated anything to us in advance. And so then when the rest of our party got there and they looked at it and couldn't figure out how to turn the, the heater on and there was a remote control and we all kind of played around with it and it didn't seem to do anything, then they reported it to the seller. And Susie is the name of the host. And so we reported it. I think he called and sent an email to Susie and she didn't respond. So Monday, you know, we're on vacation. Like we have to make the best of a bad situation. So we're all hanging out by the pool. We're having mimosas we were celebrating one of my friend's 50th birthday. And so he's like, I'm not going to waste any time. And he was sitting in the pool, hoping it would warm up just, I don't know, from his body heat maybe. (laughs) And so the gate to the yard opened and a guy comes in and he says, Hey, I'm the electrician. I'm here to check out the pool heater. So we never did hear back from the host. She didn't send us an email back and say, Oh, I'll call an electrician. She just sent somebody over which is fine, but also it takes 30 seconds to respond to an email and be like, oh my gosh, I'll send somebody over, blah, blah, blah. So her communication was just bad the whole time. And so then the electrician, he was there and and actually, you know, as a realtor, I know how hard it is to sometimes get your contractors to do the work that you want to do. So I was the one who went over and talked to him and said, Hey, how's it going? Like, what's wrong? Can you fix it? And he said, yeah, you're not going to like what I have to say but the motor is out. The motor to the heater is out. Okay. And so he left and he was going to have to talk to the seller. So then the seller, I think not the seller, the host, the host, I think did get back to us and said that the pool repair company would be coming by tomorrow morning. So Tuesday morning, we got there on Sunday, would be coming by Tuesday morning to fix it. Fine. No big deal. So then the pool guy that came out Tuesday morning, he didn't actually get there until the afternoon and then he was there for a little while and he said, "Well, the reason that this doesn't work is because it's the wrong size." So, yeah, I guess it was smaller than what the pool actually required. And supposedly, like two heaters, I think maybe the I think maybe the host had told us that the day before when she said that she couldn't believe that another motor had burned out because This is the second one that they'd already replaced. So this is an ongoing issue. So this guy says, the bad news is the heater that you need is on back order. And I said, oh, well, how long is that going to be? And he said, I don't know. It could be tomorrow. It could be three weeks. It could be who knows how long. And he says, that's probably why they have had these smaller motors put in because the one that they need is on back order. And he says, you know, I can't promise that I'm going to fix this for you. I have to talk to the owner of the house. He says, I'm sure that they'll want to make you happy. And if so, I can come back this afternoon and install a one horsepower motor, whatever that means. Well, we never heard back from him. He didn't come back. We didn't hear anything from the seller. Our vacation is like half over and we're getting pretty annoyed. So then the guy who made the reservation initially He was, he gave her a deadline. If he doesn't hear from her by, I forget what time the deadline was, but if he didn't hear from her by that time, he was going to call Airbnb. And so Airbnb has, they have a uh, guarantee. And if like, if something is not working as advertised or isn't present as advertised, then you can call Airbnb and they will, obviously they want you to work it out with the owner, but they'll make it right no matter what. And so they said, okay, well, We will credit you back 30% of what the host is actually getting because part of the money that you're paying goes to pay Airbnb fees. And so, you know, that was something, but now the principle of the matter is in the way because the host hasn't really said anything to us about it. When we inquired, they're not getting back to us. They're just like, it's weird. It's like they actually, what I suspect is that they don't have the money to pay for it. So Airbnb gets involved. The next day, Wednesday, we get an email from the Susie's husband, whom we had never talked with before. And he sent my friend a message through Airbnb and said, oh, my name is whatever. I'm Susie's husband. And here's what happened. And he's just explaining what happened. And apparently the part that was needed was on back order and would be installed in two days, which we don't know if that's Thursday or Friday, and we're leaving on Friday, but He just says, like he ends the message with, like in his message, he explained how they thought that the pool company that installed the pool would know better about what kind of motor to put in, but apparently not. That's why they burnt through two and it's back ordered. It'll be installed in two days. I know that doesn't help you in your situation is what he said at the end of his email. What? I know that doesn't help you in your situation. Yeah, no shit, it doesn't help me in my situation. And you're the host, like that's your job. You are the maitre d', you're the person at the hotel that is supposed to make this better. And like, he's not even saying, I'm sorry. He's not saying, how can I make this up to you? He's not saying anything. Then we get an email from the wife, I think on Thursday. So like, we just stopped responding to the host because those messages, they weren't helpful. And there was nothing that we needed to respond to anyway, especially since Airbnb had gotten involved. We're going to do the best with a bad situation and figure it all out now that Airbnb is involved. So then the wife sends an email and it was more of the same where she then lays blame. She says, our pool company was there. She doesn't say when, but our pool company was there and they said everything was working fine. But then somebody else was there. I don't remember who the party was, if it was an electrician or whatever, but their pool company said it was fine. And then somebody else was there and said something was smoking. (laughs) So something was burning up and smoking over by the pool equipment. And so that's why the breakers were turned off when we got there. That's why the pool wasn't circulating at all. And of course the heater wasn't working because the motor had burnt up and it had smoked out. And so she was like, but nobody told me that it was the motor. So I didn't know that that was a problem before you got here. You are kidding me, right? (laughs) Like, wow. So when somebody tells you that your shit is smoking, you don't do anything about it. You don't ask any more questions. You don't call somebody over at that point in time. Like that's just weird, especially since their house is actually for sale. Like you're not getting anything past a buyer because they're going to have a home inspection and they're going to know that your shit's broke and you're going to have to get it fixed. So if you're renting it out at a premium price, you might as well get it fixed now. So you avoid all of these problems that you're having dealing with your Airbnb renters before you have more problems dealing with non-disclosure with your real estate agent and potential buyers. So they didn't warn us. They didn't do much to fix it. They had poor communication and response times. They sent passive aggressive emails, placing blame on everybody but themselves. And of course it's not their fault. Like it's a situation, a bad situation that they didn't necessarily cause, but it's their house and we're paying them and they didn't take any accountability for it, which is, that's kind of annoying. And then when you blame all these other people, that's a terrible feeling. Like, It just makes me think, wait a second, am I supposed to like feel bad for you, Mr. And Mrs. Airbnb, because somebody told you it was smoking and you didn't ask questions. This is not my problem. And I don't want to deal with it. I want you to fix it and make it go away because you are the hotelier, like that's your job. So of course, even though all of these things have happened, we still had a really good time. It's a great bunch of people. We were there to celebrate our friends, you know, his 50th birthday. And every restaurant that we went was amazing. All of the food that we had was fantastic from dive bar to fancy restaurant and everywhere in between. But now that I'm home and my sunburn is peeling and I'm a little bit rested, I'm thinking about how terrible the actual Airbnb experience was and how the owner of the Airbnb could have turned it all around. They could have just apologized they could have communicated better. You know, there were several things throughout the process that they could have done better. But if I were the owner of that Airbnb, I would be so mortified that someone was having this kind of experience and then telling people about it. And they are mortified because I found out yesterday, we've been home for a couple of days and I just found out that the owner of the Airbnb offered to credit us back 50% as long as we don't leave a bad review. So how many times have they done that? It's kind of shitty, isn't it? So all of that brings me back to real estate and what kind of experience are your clients having? What kind of things are they telling their friends about their real estate experience? And whether or not it's your fault, it's your fault, you know, like we know who gets blamed in the real estate transaction. It is the realtor. Unfortunately, because there's so many other people involved and it's quite often not our fault, but it becomes our responsibility. And so Are your clients having a terrible Airbnb experience when they're buying or selling a house with you? Is there a point in the, like if you were to evaluate your most recent closing experience and think about, okay, well, did they have to ask me questions? Like at any point did I say, and I do this, I mean, not everybody's perfect all the time. We just constantly strive to do better. But sometimes I think, oh God, I totally forgot to do that. (laughs) Or I think, oh my God, how is it that they don't know this? I've already told them the answers to this. Or I might think, "Oops, I totally should have sent them that email. It's in the system, and something broke and it didn't work. So evaluating that process, not to be down on yourself about, "Oh my God, I'm such a terrible realtor. I should just close my business." Not at all. Like that's not the point. The point is to always be improving. So if you were to evaluate your most recent closing and you think about what didn't go well, and then if you thought about it, like try to change your perspective to that buyer or that seller. Like if I were in their shoes, what would I be thinking? And we already do a lot of that in general in our business. We try to be proactive with our action plans, with the marketing presentation, all the material that we give them before the listing appointment, during the listing, all of the reporting that we give them, we try to be proactive with all of those things because I know I don't want a buyer or a seller to wake up in the middle of the night and to think, "God, what's the name of my realtor?" like I don't even I don't even remember her. And so, of course, not everything is always perfect, but these Airbnb owners like they're doing nothing to improve. They've gotten negative reviews and their light bulbs are still burnt out. Their toilet paper is still on a budget. It's still just one roll of paper towels. They totally knew that that pool heater was not working and they didn't even give us a heads up about it. They didn't even offer to cancel our reservation and so that we could move into another house. Like there was none of that. Their communication sucked. Does your communication suck? Are people going to remember you for being the agent on a budget with squeaky cheeks who's, you know, like if you're their listing agent, but you don't do anything to advertise, are they going to remember that? Just think about it from the client's point of view and then consider how you can implement some improvements into your process. And no one is ever going to be done improving, just so you know, like this is the name of the game. We are constantly evolving and improving and getting a little bit better every single transaction. If you think about your very first transaction in real estate, it probably looks wildly different than the last transaction you just had, right? My transactions from two years ago, totally different than they are today because I'm constantly evolving and improving. I might be mortified about today, but it was good then and today it's better. So that is the point of me sharing this really long story about these terrible Airbnb owners Because I think it's a really good lesson for them. Of course, they'll never listen to this. It's a really good lesson for all of us to think about the experience that our clients are actually getting. You got to turn the ego off and think about what is actually happening, where people might be falling through the cracks, where you might have some real improvement opportunities, and then implementing those. So that was my vacation. I'm going to go put some lotion on my sunburn because it's totally flaking. And uh, yeah, so if you are an Airbnb owner, maybe you know if these things are normal or abnormal or whatever. And if you want to come onto the Savvy Agent podcast and school our listeners on what they should expect at an Airbnb, or if they are an Airbnb owner and you want to help them be better, well, send me an email, podcast at savvyagent.co. Otherwise, for everybody else, I'll talk to you soon. Have a great week.